Do you aspire to become a responsible leader? How do you see yourself now as a young man? Learning from challenges is one thing, but getting opportunities is another. If you're a young man who wants to learn about personal growth, life lessons, and leadership, tune in to Essential 11, shaping leaders among leaders. To the front, we are looking good. What is that, my friend? All right, oh, dude, we don't, let's see, I don't have the audio. There we go. Now? Yeah, now we got you. How are you, sir? Good. Look at all these handsome faces. These strong a, little gentlemen. That's right, man. These are some, uh, you got some rock stars here, man. And so some might be coming awesome. in and out depending on uh, what Perfect. their schedule is. And then um, I'll also be sending it out to all of the guys. We got a lot of them that are doing things like, you know, going to school or they're at work or something like that. So they'll catch the recording. Um, but it'll be an episode of the Essential 11 as well, man. So people will be able to catch it that way. Amazing. So what age ranges do we have here, man? So we have got anywhere from 12 to 22. Nice. Um, that join us on a weekly basis. Yeah. And then um, when we when we rock it out for for the Essential 11 and put it out for, for the audio, um, you know, obviously it was geared towards the young people to start, but what we found too is our biggest audience are people that are our age. You know, it's the, it's parents. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'll just acknowledge all of you guys for being here, you know, in, in the age of, of 12 to 22, just to show up for this kind of stuff shows your commitment to succeeding in life. And life is going to be easy for you guys if you commit to showing up to the things that are valuable for you, right? It's not always the easy stuff, but it's the stuff that's valuable. So I want to acknowledge each and every one of you for showing up and giving your time to both myself and Matt. And uh, we're going to do our best to provide you guys some great insights so you can ultimately uh, navigate your way through the challenging times. That's for it. all of us. Yeah, that's for all it. of us, it's challenging times. Oh, so grateful, man. So grateful for those words too, because that's it's exactly what it is. You know, I was uh, talking to um, talking to Bedros a little bit yesterday, and and just talking about the sheer amount of good human beings out there, like yourself, that are absolutely like we acknowledge that these times are weird, but we also acknowledge that um, the the people that are putting that foot forward and and not relying on hope as a strategy, but just going, hey we're going to, we're going to be committed to moving, you know, moving the needle forward. I mean, and yep. there's so many good folks out there, you know, obviously yourself included. So very grateful for you taking the time, my friend. Thanks, Matt. You know, just guys, while I have your attention, I was having a great conversation with a gentleman yesterday by the name of Peter Crone. And uh, it's, I think it's important to acknowledge as a, as a young man that everything that happens in our life is uh, Always, it was always a subject to our interpretation, right? So anything that happens in your life is uh, just an event. And then the meaning you put on it is what you carry with it. So I want you guys to all acknowledge that you have this opportunity in every single situation in life, whether in the moment it feels bad, whether it feels good, whether it feels happy, you feel sad, whatever it can be, you have the ability in any situation to decide what meaning you place on it. So the next time something comes up that feels a little fearful, it feels a little challenging for you, just stop and acknowledge there for a second, what meaning, meaning am I going to choose to put on this that I carry with me for the rest of my life? Am I going to choose to make this mean that, hey, this is an opportunity for me to get stronger. This is an obstacle that's hard for me, but I can get stronger. I can, I can choose to make this feel good right now instead of bad. And, and again, as a young man, it's not always easy to be able to think that far ahead. But that's really the goal, right, is to, to acknowledge anything that's in front of you as an opportunity to become better, to become stronger, to become more resilient. You guys all can do such amazing things with your life. So, and you will, and you will. But just the first, the greatest piece of advice is, I think, that, that everything in front of you is, is subject to your interpretation. So no matter what story you have about the past, 
you can you can just acknowledge that every story is just a story and you can change it. And I went through that. And the reason I, I tell all of you guys this, I had a very hard, quote unquote, hard childhood. And uh, I went through a lot of stories. You know, I had a lot of stories in my mind about people who mistreated me, uh, things that were hard for me. And as soon as I started to accept those stories and I started to say, you know, that's just a story. And everything, I, I, this is a quote, if you guys want to take this, I say, the only objective thing your parents ever gave you was life. And everything else was subject to your interpretation. So something to think about. I don't know if that resonates with any of you guys. That's awesome, man. I love that quote too. The only objective thing your parents gave you was life. Yeah, so true, man. It's powerful that the understanding of that of that story and the fact that we give the meaning to it, we give the response to it. You know, it's our response that um, that actually creates the the next the next action step in the outcome. You know, and it's kind of reminds me of that you know you hear the stories all the time, and I know there's always memes floating around all those, but you have siblings, you know, that are going off and one is doing one thing and one is doing another and one is doing great things going out and changing the world. And, um, you know, as a, as a, a great parent or, you know, a very driven, motivated individual. And the other one is kind of down in the dumps and, you know, you ask both of them, why are they the way they are? And they'll say, you know, I had a rough childhood or, you know, the alcoholic mm -hmm. father, right. It drives one to go be the opposite and it drives the other to use it as an excuse and a crutch to just, you know, perpetuate the cycle. Yep, man. That's exactly what we talked about yesterday. You know, the, the person you see who's the high-end executive making a couple of million bucks a year driving the beautiful car is driven by the exact same thing as the homeless person on the road who's, yeah. who's consuming substances. Like, you know, my life was really hard. I couldn't do it any other way. And it's, yep. they're driven by the exact same circumstance in their mind. They just respond differently to it. It's so yeah. true. Just yeah. say a different story around it. Are you familiar with the, because uh, I know we're, we're close to the same age. Are you familiar with the, the singer John Cicada? Do you of course. That? Yeah. Do you remember yeah. that guy? Yeah. So I remember as a young kid too, and it's, it's kind of funny cause it came on, uh, I've got it on my phone, this song, but, uh, he's got a song called I'm free. And I remember as a young person when that came, I mean, I was probably 10 when that came out, but there's a line in the song where he says, you know, I'm free. Things are only as important as I want them to be. Mm -hmm. And that resonated with me, even as a young kid, it was that same kind of concept. It was just going, man, I get to, I get to provide the context for anything that happens. It's, it's just as important as I want it to be. It means exactly what I want it to mean. And, and I can use that however I want to use that. It's yeah. powerful. It's great. You know, it's powerful. That's cool. So, so I'd love to go kind of start where, where you were like 12, 13, 14. Yeah. Um, what, what did that look like for you? And, and this way, you know, we'd like to start with kind of the X-Men origin story, so to speak. And, yeah. um, you know, can speak a little bit to, to kind of the journey in there, but what did, what did life look like for you as, as, uh, this young man? So I'll even reverse a little bit before that and start talking around the age of four, three and four, my parents, uh, split up and my dad had, the most explosive temper still to this day of anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, he's never hit me. But when I would come home, uh, my house would be upside down. He would be just shouting. He's locked me outside. In, in, I was three years old. He locks us outside in the snow. He'd like lock us in the closets. It's like not a good person. And, uh, you know, for me, I internalized that. So I stood there when he was screaming and yelling and breaking stuff. And I just shook. And I would stand there in fear and I shook. 
So from the time I was three until the time I was about 18 or 19, I actually spoke with a stutter whenever I spoke to someone with authority because it, I became afraid. Mm. So I associated this person of authority, whether it be a teacher, uh, another parent or a coach, I would become afraid. I didn't even know what was happening. I just thought something was wrong with me and I would shake. This is all the way I was until literally until university. Yeah. And um, so I thought there was something wrong with me. I was like, oh, something's wrong with my brain. It must be broken. I grew up with, I was told I had a learning disability and that was due to the fact that I had a really poor diet when I was a kid. My house was this terrible, basically war zone where everyone's screaming and fighting and everyone in my family is an alcoholic and overweight. So I grew up with a really hard story in my childhood, right? I grew up with a lot of challenges that I had to face and school was very hard for me. I didn't, it didn't come easily to me. I didn't re I thought I was dumb, right? Every teacher from the, my first grade teacher told me I was dumb and I believe that. And um, it's ironic now. And the reason I tell you there, guys, this stuff is because if you, if you look at, I was, I was obese as a kid. I had a learning disability and a speech impediment. So obesity turned into me being a professional bodybuilder, staying on stage in my underwear and making a living in my underwear, mm -hmm. my speech impediment. Now I speak on stage in front of thousands, if not millions of people. And now I'm an online educator. I just travel the world teaching people how to learn. So I've gone from someone who was told he was fat, dumb, and never would amount to anything to doing the exact opposite. So I want all of you to acknowledge that no matter what the story is you tell yourself in the moment, you, you can turn it into a strength if you simply commit, mm. right? It's one of these things like, hey, it's not hard. Life is not hard, right? You simply haven't done it enough yet. So as I say, my childhood was challenging. Um, by the time I was seven years old, I realized it was very different than my family. I lived with my grandparents, my mother and my uncle, and uh, I realized it was very, very different. Seven years old. So I started doing everything by myself at seven years old. I lived in a big city. I grew up in Toronto. I was riding the bus. I was riding the subway. I was going downtown by myself. I became a lone wolf. I was like, no matter what's going to happen, I'm going to do it myself. I said, hey, mom, can I have $2 for the subway? Nope. Mom, hey, can you help, you help me? Nope. Um, I had no help. Right. And so I became this like this lone soldier, this lone wolf who just said, hey, I'm going to do it all myself. Now, I'm not saying that because that's the way you should do it. That's that's just my only that's how all I knew. So all the way throughout my teenage years, I felt like I was very much alone. Everything I did, I wanted to do by myself. So that was part of my journey. And, and it was my strength during my youth from the time I was 12 to probably 19. It was part of my strength, but it was also part of my limitation. So to become a, uh, an effective, happy, fulfilled human, you want and, and you ultimately need great, great people in your life. You need great connection. And the only way you'll ever draw those people in is if you become one yourself. For me, I was always pushing people away. I thought people were coming to hurt me, mm -hmm. right? I thought they were coming to, to be angry with me, to, to do bad things to me. So I would just, I would keep everyone else away. I was always the lone wolf. And it wasn't until I started to acknowledge that all I needed to do, the only thing in life I could control was myself. So I just wanted to be the best version of myself for everyone around me. And I started to attract literally the greatest human beings. My network of people is just unbelievable like you guys one thing i'll acknowledge right now in myself is i look at my rolodex in my phone of all the names in my phone i'm just like man if your 12 year old version of yourself could see this right now yep. this is so incredible yep. and i've got my heroes my mentors my idols all of them in my phone because now I've become the type of man that offers value to them, right? I'm a, I'm a great human being. I'm a smart human being. I provide value to them in some way. And even above all, just by being a great person, yep. 
I provide value to their life. So I've gone from someone who thought I had to push everyone away to now realizing I literally have one of the best networks in the world because I welcome great people into my life by being a great man myself. I love that. And that's, yeah, that's what, uh, again, that's, that's been a journey, but I think that's an important lesson for you guys to start to acknowledge. Uh, it's a powerful lesson and it's, and it all starts with those words you use, you, you commit, you become, you become the thing you want to attract, right? And it's the commitment part of it. And that's the hard, I think, um, for me as an educator, uh, and, and when I say educator, I mean, obviously building the schools that I build, but working with the adults that I work with too, whether it's through parenting, whether it's through, um, working with the organizations that I got to, uh, speak to and coach for, it's the commitment. People can get really, really fired up and it's kind of the whole church syndrome of really fired up on Sunday. And then that kind of fades. And then by Friday, you're doing the same old, same old, and you're just kind of waiting for somebody else to relight your fire on Sunday that then, you know, doesn't, doesn't last, right. That's that lack of of commitment and follow through and consistency um, that I think is a bigger struggle for people now. Do you think that's a bigger struggle for people now than it, than it used to be? Is that kind of an old guy sentiment that's always kind of been around like all oh, these youngsters these days or, you know, what, what do you kind of think? Is yeah, I think human nature is human nature, right? I think we're, we're, we're going to get distracted obviously now with, with social media and, and the abundance of telephones and, and media and the distractions are plentiful. It's the idea of, task switching, right? So when I look at a phone, even, even when I'm scrolling, I'm switching tasks. And so in the past, switching tasks may have required me like leave a room or maybe, you know, maybe for us, it'd be like switch a channel, but ta the, the concept of like switching tasks. So if you guys pick up your phone and then you try to do it, read a book and then you, you know, talk to somebody, you're literally switching from task to task to task. Your brain does not do well switching tasks. So you end up going very, very, you don't go deep on anything. Right. So you want to learn to practice on staying on one task for an extended amount of time. So my commitment to myself and with my children, I've, I have a son that's nine, a little younger than you guys, but we commit to reading at least 30 minutes a day. And that's like, we're, we're singularly focused on this one thing, right? We commit to meditating together about 10, he does about 10 minutes. I tend to do a little bit longer, but it's just the idea of like, I'm going to commit to doing this single thing for an extended amount of time. And I'll tell you guys, if you're going to, if you're going to practice anything in your life, it sounds weird, but practice focus. Mm. Like the greatest thing that you, the greatest skill that you'll have to develop in your life is the ability to focus. If I want to become a great athlete, focus. If I want to become a great businessman, focus. If I want to become a great, I don't know, husband, focus. Mm -hmm. If I want to become a great friend, focus, right? All of these things be, require the singular necessity of like, I got to be able to focus because I can't yeah. focus. I can't think I can't problem solve. And then things become really hard. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, it, it's interesting. It reminded me of, um, you know, one of the benefits of traveling and speaking to the organizations that I got to speak to is sometimes I'd be speaking for, you know, potentially an association or it would be a day long event um, for a, you know, for a large uh, corporation and there would be multiple speakers. And so I had the benefit of learning from so many amazing people. Um, you know, I got to go give while I was there, but I got to sit in the audience a lot of times and listen to, and I, and I wish I remember the name of the gentleman. He wasn't anybody that anybody would necessarily know by name, uh, at this point, but his whole talk was on multitasking and the fact that we can't. Right. And it was, he actually went into kind of the, the, um, you know, kind of the neurological aspect of that and was talking about how we're actually toggling back and forth and, and how we don't actually do that very well. But that's what multitasking is. You're actually having to focus and then switch it and then switch it and then switch it. And when you can do it quickly, we call that multitasking and we have kind of touted this, you know, uh, 
ability, so to speak, and put it on this pedestal of, oh, I'm a great multitasker. And he goes, actually, no, you're not. That just means you're, you're not able to focus on anything. You're going back and forth. You know, and he kind of skewed that whole perspective for me. So I think that's a super interesting concept to think of. And, so, and yeah, I'll actually provide some value on that for these guys. So guys, any of you guys ever feel um, afraid or worried? Give me, let me see a hand if you ever feel afraid or worried. Okay. So what that is, is your brain is either thinking about the future and what you have to do, and that could be school or something that's coming up in the future. So you're worried about the future or something that's happened in the past. So you're like, gosh, I did this thing. I made a mistake. And you're kind of stressing about that, right? So you're, the human mind could be in two places at once. So if you're stressing or you're worried or you're afraid, your brain is either in the future or it's in the past, right? So we, there's nothing in this present moment, unless there's a lion or a saber-toothed tiger trying to eat us, there's nothing that in this moment that's, that's fearful for us, right? Fear and worry and overwhelm comes from the future and the past. So my suggestion to you guys is learn to bring yourself into the here and the now. So if I can hold my attention in two places, most people, it's the future and the past. And if I can learn by, to bring my attention into this moment, I'm going to teach you how to do that in a moment. If I can bring my attention into this exact moment, those things fall away. And then I can learn to create that as a habit. So when I feel, feel fear and anxiety and overwhelm and any of those, those feelings that maybe we don't want to feel, I can make them go away like this. Mm. So is it, would that be interesting to you guys? So here's what I want you guys to do. You guys are all sitting down. I want you to just, you can leave your eyes open, you can close your eyes. Closing your eyes sometimes a little bit easier, but I'm not attached to it. All I want you to do is feel the way that your bum feels making contact with the seat. So I literally want you to kind of bring your attention to the way the butt feels against the seat. Some of you guys look like you have your arms on your desk. So I want you to think about then, what do your arms feel like against your desk? And maybe what do your feet feel like against the floor? And maybe you can think of all three of those things at once. So if you can think of all, like the way your arms feel against the desk, the way your butt feels against the floor, the way your feet feel against the floor, Feel what that feels like. See if you can feel it all at once. Now I want you to feel what it feels like to breathe. So can you feel the rising and falling of your tummy or your abdomen? So if, if you're having a hard time doing this, try closing your eyes. Can you just feel the abdomen just kind of rising and falling? So see if you can feel all four of those things at once. See if you can feel your feet, your butt, your arms, and your breathing all at once. So all we've done there, guys, is we brought our attention inside of our body, right? So instead of having our attention outside of our body, we're bringing it inside of our body. That may have been challenging for you guys because that's the first time you do it, right? If I said, hey, let's learn how to speak Chinese, the first time I teach you a word, it's gonna be hard. But if you do that just a little bit every day, two minutes, you guys just did 60 seconds there, right? If you do that for 60 seconds every day, as soon as you're able to do that, it's, it's a switch that brings my attention out of the future in the past and brings it into the present moment. By focusing on what's happening inside of your body, you guys just brought your attention into this present moment. It's called interoception, our, our ability to pay attention to the inside of our body. Okay, so that's one thing. And then we could pay attention to all the things happening around us. So let's do this together now, guys. So I'll be close your, close your uh, eyes. And all I want you to listen, all I want you to do is listen to the sound of my voice and listen to any other sounds that happen to be in the background of your room. They could be um, cars going by. It could be wind. It could be the general buzz of the house or the lights. Just acknowledge and just try to hear, hear really quietly, really, really precisely, right? So you're going to start hearing like there's a bird outside chirping right now. Maybe hear a person talking across the road. 
Maybe you can hear yourself as, as you're kind of rustling your seat. Try to be still and get rid of that movement. So that's called extraception. You guys brought your attention into the room around you. And I guess what, when you're doing that, the extraception and the interoception, there's your two points of focus. You can literally not stress about the past or the future because you're in the, you're in the moment, you're in the present moment. So if any of you guys want to be an athlete, if any of you guys want to be a business person, if any of you guys want to be really anything you want in life, the ability to focus and bring your attention inside of your body and outside of your body is a superpower. I promise you. The reason people succeed is their ability to get themselves present in this moment and focus on a singular task. Mm. So hopefully that was uh, useful for you guys. Uh, I'm going to get super selfish here for just a second too. So even in that right there, like I, I, as you kind of gave the directive of just kind of feel like what your butt looks, you know, feels like on the chair and where your, your feet on the ground, your, your arms and where they're kind of laying, like I'm noticing that I've got my toes in, on both feet crossed over each other and they're yeah. always moved. Like I know that, and they're, they're always going like this. I'm kind of rocking back and forth, uh, in my chair. Right. And, and I tend, I'm not somebody that worries. Um, I'm not somebody that gets super fearful, but what will happen and I'm, you know, at night, right. I'll lay down and I start in my head, I'm planning, right. I'm planning. I'm going, okay, so tomorrow here's what I'm going to do. And here, and I can get myself in that. If I'm really, really tired, I find out that I'll get myself in that. And if I really pay attention to it, I'm usually like my feet are kind of rocking back. I'm laying in bed, right. I'm supposed to be going to sleep. My feet are kind of going back and forth and I'm doing so like even bringing myself into, into that moment, I'm not doing any good by trying to solve all the world's problems, uh, you know, at night when I could be getting some rest. Right. Um, but I think that something like that well, is, is so the, the ability to turn it on and the ability to turn it off at will. Bingo. Right. So all guys, if so, you know what you just did there, I want to tell each and every one of you guys, what you just did there, what I kind of didn't tell you you're doing is you're doing a meditation, mm-hmm. right? That's what meditation is. We just did a 60 second interoception meditation, a 60 second extraoception meditation, right? It doesn't have to be called anything other than I'm just bringing my focus onto something specific. So when you bring your your attention inside or outside of your body, you start paying attention to the way things feel. Mm -hmm. So what you can then do is you can, if you feel like uh, Matt is saying, he's feeling tense or he's feeling motion, I can choose to let that go, right? I can choose to just go and let all that go away. So with mental stress also comes physical stress. So guys, what does it feel like in your body? Let me ask all of you guys this question. I want you to show me what this looks like. Like you're playing charades. I want you to show me what it looks like. If somebody right behind you walks in your room with a lion, what's that going to feel like in your body? You can, what, is it, what does it feel look, look like in your body to be afraid? <gasps> right. Feel all the muscle tone, right? <gasps> or you, your hands go up or you run, right? So be, do you feel how your muscles get tense? Stress causes muscular tension, right? Mental stress and fear causes your body to tighten up. And guess what happens if I do the opposite, if I relax? Guess what happens to my mind? Your mind follows suit. So if my brain gets tense, my brain gets stressed, I tighten up. If my body relaxes, so does my mind. And then I can have a a sharp mind. Here's a great thing for you guys to remember. I advocate learning how to become a warrior and a monk. What's the difference between a warrior and a monk? A warrior is always ready to go. All, a warrior is always ready to act, to run, to, to, to uh, engage. A monk is relaxed. A monk is completely calm. So we want to be able to access the warrior that exists in you. 
and the monk that also exists in you. So these two different states of arousal. Do you know how we access that? Through the breath. One single breath, right? Through our body. Our body can learn to embody a warrior. Boom. Or a monk. And I think the superpower is what you mentioned too. It's the ability to oscillate back and forth and control how quickly you can go back and forth. A single breath. Yeah. Right? It's that. Um, I know you and I, uh, when we got to talk last week, we talked about uh, briefly about the alter ego effect of Todd Herman. Yep. Uh, and, you know, really, and part of uh, this program for these young men, you know, they got 12 months and every, every month is a new challenge, a new project, and they have um, an alter ego project that they end up taking on about halfway through where they're, uh, you know, developing their various personas, they're developing their warrior, they're developing their monk, and then it's the practice of oscillating back and forth. And I think that's a, that's a powerful, that's a powerful example of how to, to get back and forth. Uh, be- between those two, depending on what the yeah. situation is. So, yeah. so cool, man. Um, you talked about that kind of that lone wolf and that reason, you know, uh, the kind of the resilience that, that you built up from being kind of that young man who, you know, didn't necessarily have any help. And, and yeah, you know, you're talking about how that also ends up being a weakness because you do need to be able to, to get the right people. But um, there is a resilience that also gets built for a young person by taking on some of these things and not getting the eighth place trophy for it. Not saying don't have great people around you, but, but having to take on some of that responsibility. How do you bring that into um, kind of your current parenting too? How are you, how are you looking at building resilience um, for, you know, a, as a parent? Well, I think for me, it's, it's, um, unconditional acceptance of what is so with my children and and again i'll speak to you guys that like it's a similar situation it's like if my kid if my son um you know does poorly in a hockey game he's a hockey player or does exceptionally well i don't love him anymore i don't love him any less it's just acceptance of who he is and what he is and then we just do a reflection and i suggest all of you guys do this so you love who you are. Let me ask you this. If you do poorly in a math test, does that reflect on who you are? Or is it about just what you did? Can you guys see in your mind the difference between what I do and who I am? So if I'm a, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a 40-year-old man. I'm an ex-bodybuilder. I'm a current businessman. I'm a dad right? I I play a lot of roles. Those, that's who I am. If I do something stupid today and I regret it and I'm like, oh man, I backed my car into the tree. I'm like, I'm I'm an idiot. No, I did something wrong. That doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me an idiot. It just means I did something wrong. Can you guys differentiate with that? So I want you guys all to acknowledge you, who you are, is an amazing gift to the world, right? You're an amazing, amazing human. And then it's stacking the things that we do on top of that. Who you are at your soul is a gift from God, from the universe, from whatever you believe in. You're an incredible gift to this world. Every one of you is a gift to this world. Now, you can choose to step up and do more things with this gift, or you can choose to not and do less things with the gift. That's the only difference in life. How much are you going to do to express the gift that every one of you has? 
everyone. There's no doubt that every one of you has this gift. Now it's like, okay, the things that I do stack on top of that. Now I can do really dumb things. I can do things that I regret. I can do, make a lot of bad decisions. That doesn't make me a bad person. That just means I did something wrong. And then I know how to change it. We all do dumb things. I do dumb things every day. And it doesn't make me a bad person. I just decide, oh, I learn now to not ever do that again right? Life is this, life is so simple. It's this constant flux between one of two things. It's either I'm making the right decision or the wrong decision. That's it. Either I'm growing or I'm not. That's it, right? Every, in every situation in life, when it's like, hey, should I study for math or should I not study for math? You know the right thing you should do. You should study for math. Doesn't mean you always choose to do it, right? So that's, life is about just, just kind of fluxing or, or flexing between these two positions. Yep. Do the right thing or not the right thing. I love that. And we don't always choose the right path, but the more often you choose the right path, the easier life gets. Right. The more often you choose the wrong path, the harder life gets. Harder it gets. And that's, yeah. and I love what you said too, because mo more often than not, we do know what the right thing to do. My friend, Erwan oh. uh, LaCour. Move, move, yeah. Move. Oh, he's awesome, man. I love that guy. Erwan's great, man. And yeah. that, you know, that's one of the things he always, he always says is just, you know what to do. You know what to do. Like you, more often than not, we know exactly what we are supposed to be doing but we're perceiving it as like, this is going to be hard or this is going to be, I'm afraid of this, or it's going to be a lot of work and right. we try to avoid it. Yep. But if you just take bite-sized chunks and do little bits every day, it becomes so easy. Here's the thing I always say with my son, my son's in the fourth grade. I go, Hey buddy, if we decided that next year when you're going to school, instead of going to fifth, sixth and seventh, we're just going to dump you straight into eighth grade. How would you feel about that? Like that'd be too much. I wouldn't know how to do it. Right. Why? Because you didn't do things every day to prepare. Whereas if we just do a little bit every day, so we put you through fifth grade and then sixth grade and then seventh grade. If we just do that little bit every day, you get to eighth grade. It's like, meh, it's kind of, I know what I'm doing because yeah. we're doing a little thing every day, right? Yeah. So we learn to just take really small steps. And then eventually to get to eighth grade, that's no big deal. But now we get to eighth grade, it's easy. It's easy. Right? But, it, but if we miss the steps along the way, because we take a few weeks off, we don't do our schoolwork, all of a sudden we get to seventh and eighth grade and we're like, what the, I don't know how to do this. Yeah, you don't know how to do it because you didn't pay attention to the last so it's not hard. It's like trying to climb a mountain yeah. without, without doing one step at a time, right? You got to just, you just take one step at a time. Yep, that's exactly it, man. People, you know, we get a lot um, from the educational side of, of um, there's still obviously a, a giant focus on academia for a lot of people. And there are academic standards that obviously some, you know, the, the kids should um, uh, strive to attain. It's not as much as, as um, people believe they need, but besides <laughs> the point, Parents ask, okay, what about, I got my kids, you know, going to go to college for this. They're going to go pre-med. We need college. Okay, great. Sounds good. They really need to get through calculus. Okay, great. So do I get a tutor? Do I jump on? Like, nope. If we are starting early, one of the things we found is it's just 30 minutes a day. If that young person does 30 minutes a day, starting six, seven years old, 30 minutes a day for five days a week, roughly eight, nine months out of the year, they will far and away exceed going through calculus level math by the time they're a graduated senior like it's far and away and if somebody struggles with math a little bit naturally then it might be 40 minutes a day and if somebody is really kind of gifted and really thinks that way anyways it might only be 20 minutes a day but the key is just that little tiny consistency every single day and then it's easy it's that but it's that long tail people don't like to think in those long tail sort of things people want okay well how do i get this figured out in the next week versus in the next year versus in the next decade Right. So boys, do you guys all have a pencil or a pen that you're writing with? Grab a pencil or a pen. I want you guys to do something. 
you don't actually have to write anything down. I just want you to do it. Well, if you have a paper, you can do this too. So I want you to take that pencil and the pen, and I want you to put it in the hand that you write with. Now, before you do that, I actually want you to switch hands and put it in your opposite hand. And if you have a piece of paper, I want you to try to write your name. But here's the thing. I want you to write your name perfectly, just as well as you do with the other hand. It has to be absolutely perfect. I want you to try to write that. Show me what that, and I want you to acknowledge what that feels like. Everybody do it. Write your name perfectly with the opposite hand. That's got to be perfect. Now let me ask you a question. Is it fast or slow? No, slow. Slow. Does it feel comfortable or uncomfortable? Horribly awkward. Uncomfortable. <laughs> if, you, if you practice it once a week or once a month, how quickly are you going to learn it? You may never, right? It may take you years. But how about if you practice it every day? How about if you practice it 10 times a day? How quickly are you going to learn it? So everything in the beginning is uncomfortable. Everything, right? When you learn a new skill, it's like, man, this is uncomfortable. That doesn't mean it's hard. Was writing your name with the other hand hard? No, it was easy, but it was uncomfortable. So if we find things in life that are uncomfortable for us, our tendency is often to just avoid them. I don't want to do it. But if you just go, you know what, it's, it's uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it anyways. And I'm just going to do it a couple of times a day or every day. I'm just going to do a little bit. Eventually, guess what happens? Every one of you learn to write with the good hand, yep. just the way you would learn to write with the other hand. That's right. Same thing, man. Yep. You guys all just started a couple of years ago and you kind of practice every day because your parents put a crayon on your hand. You figured it out. Right. Nothing in life is hard. It's simply new or uncomfortable. So I always say this to people is like change your, your relationship with hard. You and including me has never done any single thing hard in my entire life. I was a professional bodybuilder. I was known as the hardest working bodybuilder in the world. No one's ever done. I've never done a hard workout in my life. I've never done something hard in my entire life. It's always compared to what, right? Compared to the, some of the guys you have on here, the Navy SEALs, I've never done anything hard in my life. My life has been easy, right? So always like, what am I comparing myself to? So when you say something in your life is hard, go just ask yourself, compared to what? Compared to who, right? What if you're running a marathon? What if you're running a 100-mile marathon? And then if there's a guy named James, you know James Lawrence, Matt, the guy who just did 100 uh, Ironman distance marathon, Iron or Ironman distance triathlons in 100 days. Yep, Iron Cowboy, yeah. Compared to what, right? Like, I've never done anything hard in my life. Totally. My life is like sunshine and rainbows compared to those totally. guys, man. Yeah, that is that perspective. Gosh, I love that. Um, do did you take that same perspective? Because you said you kind of grew up and, and you had this sort of um, fear around anybody with authority, right? And anybody that had a per, uh, the perception of they had authority in your life, it became kind of this fearful situation. When did you? When did you kind of switch that and go, wait a second, you know, I, I'm kind of uh, attributing a different story to this. Um, these people are in authority of me as compared to who like that. What was that perspective shift yes. there? And do you think it is um, where you've gone the other way too, where it's like nobody's in, in authority kind of deal or do you have a healthy relationship with it? How did that switch look, you think? It's a good question. I've never actually thought about the other side of that. Yeah. Um, so I became, when I was 15 years old, guys, I started pursuing bodybuilding. I became a professional bodybuilder by the time I was 25. And so I put on a lot of muscle, right? I was a very, very large muscular bodybuilder. If you guys look it up, you'll see I was, I was one of the largest humans on the planet. And uh, at that point, fear goes away, right? You're like, I'm like, yeah, I'm not really afraid of anybody. So I remember the day that I was no longer afraid of my dad. I remember the day, like it was yesterday, yeah. it was... Um, you know, effectively trying to be aggressive with my mother. And I stood in front of him. I was like, 
you should probably stop that. You're not going to like how it ends. And uh, I just confidently was able to say like, Hey man, I'm not going to hit you, but if you try to hit to, to do something to my mom, you're not going to like how this ends. And at that point, all that fear kind of melted away. And uh, again, did I need to go through the physical growth, like actually physically building my body? Maybe, right? I know a lot of guys are doing jujitsu, a lot of guys doing Muay Thai, a lot of physical things just to build up that confidence to know that if someone's coming at you, like, man, you could try, but this isn't going to end well for you. You should probably rethink this, Um, right? So that was a big part of it for me. And the other thing was just learning to control my physiology, right? When I say my physiology, guys, it's my, my, my breathing, my muscle tone, learning to control that gave me greater control over my mind, right? So when I was young, I had a hot temper. I wasn't very good at school. All the way into my 20s, I was very, um, very distracted, didn't have a very good ability to learn. My ability to retain information was terrible all the way into my mid-20s because of all these things that I brought with me from my childhood. And when I finally learned to control my body and my breath, the ability to retain and acquire information was like this. It was literally, as soon as I learned to uh, love and respect my body, I, my ability to, to learn and acquire new knowledge was like that so fast. So it's kind of taking away the the fear and, and the overwhelm, you know? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I love that. I love that story too. And uh, your story too, early on very much resonates with, with kind of our upbringing. And um, I, as you're telling that story of just kind of remembering that time when you switched and you weren't, you know, no longer afraid of your dad, you know, I have that a very clear memory of the exact, it wasn't the exact same scenario, but it was a very similar kind of scenario um, where it was just, okay, I'm no longer, I am no longer afraid of this. And there was actually a little bit of a playful uh, wrestling sort of that kind of took place. And, um, you know, kind of, and I remember it very clearly in his kitchen, uh, in his house and, and me kind of putting him in, you know, I'd started doing jujitsu at that time and had history of kickboxing and I kind of put him in a position and he had to kind of, you know, give that tap. And I remember him coming up and looking at me and it was almost like this physiological transitioning of the guard where he looked and it was like, Oh, okay. I no longer have that power in the, but the mental side of that, yeah. right. The physical started, but it was the mental side uh, of that shift and the mental that grows out of the physical. I think for a young man, that's something we talk about all the time. And that's why, you know, that physical component is so dang important. Yeah. I also want to acknowledge one thing before we open to questions is I want to say that I love my dad. I have no hard feelings and anger toward him. For sure. So, so here's why guys, human beings are only able to do as be- the best they can. Yep. Right. So if someone, if, let me ask you guys, this is always the analogy is how well do you speak Chinese? Right. Most of you guys are like, I don't speak Chinese. If you do, maybe you will, but if you, most of you guys, I don't speak Chinese. Well, why not? Well, I've never learned, right? If you, but if you wanted to learn, you could. That's the thing that's happening with sometimes with your parents is we, we put our parents on a pedestal. And we figure out, we assume they know everything, right? Our parents are so smart. They have stuff figured out. They're supposed to treat me this way. They don't understand a lot of things that are going in in your mind or in your, what you need to thrive as a human. Sometimes parents just don't get it, guys. They didn't get it when in their youth. They didn't, they didn't develop it in their adult life or teenage life. And so they just don't understand it. So as soon as I learned to understand that about my dad, I was just like, man, he did the best he could. He loved me in the way that he knew how. That's all I can say. So I love and accept him now. Did he give me what I needed as a child? No, but guess what he did give? He gave me an opportunity to learn what I didn't want in a dad, what I didn't want to be in a dad. And he gave me an opportunity to learn a lot of things on my own, right? I had a lot of time by myself to think, 
to grow, to face challenges. Do you know we all get better? How do we get better in life? Do we get better when it's easy? We don't get better when it's easy. We get better when intentionally subjecting ourselves to obstacles. When there's an obstacle in front of you, you got to go, hmm, how do I get around this or how do I get through it? And by the time you're on the other side of that obstacle, you're like, I got this. I've acquired a new skill. So I just view my parents and my youth as opportunities. Every single thing that happens in your life is an opportunity. An opportunity to become a better version of yourself, an opportunity to develop a new skill, or become more confident, or any of those things, if you choose it that way. Bingo. Right? You can choose to make it, oh man, this is terrible. Whoa, me, I feel bad for myself. I'm afraid I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Or you can go, man, hell yeah. Uh, you know, you guys, I want you to all remember this. Maybe you don't like the term, but hell yeah. Bring it on. Because I know I'm strong enough to take on any obstacle. Bring your obstacles and, and my obstacles. Right? People come into my life and are like, man, jump on my back. I got it. Right? That's the, that's the, the attitude you guys want to take into life. Is like, I'm strong enough to take on my challenges and your challenges. Bring it. Bring it. The obstacle is the way. Yeah. All right. Awesome. You have now taken the step to becoming a great leader of tomorrow. Join the Apogee program by visiting www.apogeestrong.com. For inquiries, contact us 916-728-0606 or email matt at apogeestrong.com. Thank you for listening to Essential 11, Shaping Leaders Among Leaders. Stay tuned for more episodes.